Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm William James Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. Uh, good stuff, Will. We're, we're back doing a podcast. I've done two today. This is my third. <laughs> is this really your third? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, your, I'm not just your sloppy seconds. I'm your, what, what's your thirds? What's a, like a TH sound? I'm your uh, thrifty yeah. thirds. I'm your thirsty thirds. I'm your... Throwback third, you know, because you're my older, my older <laughs> podcasting partner. So I feel like, you know, after dancing with some new podcast people, I've ended to go back to my throwback third. Uh, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, in an, we're in an open relationship and you've just come home. And now we're just yeah. going to sit back and watch TV together, <laughs> catch right, up on yeah. some goggle box. Us, yeah. <laughs> the thing about like, you know, uh, uh, what we've learned about podcasting, I think, you know, in the last couple of years is when we bank episodes, our lives are so much easier. There was a period last year where it was very hand to mouth. We would record, you know, literally come out a couple of days afterwards. And so we sort of, there was this compulsion that we, you know, you're on the treadmill. And then when I did that big overseas trip last year, we banked a bunch and we're like, you know what? It's actually not that hard. We're already here. Why don't we just do a couple in a row? And even if we give ourselves like a week's kind of break, it makes it a lot easier. So now I'm starting to apply that philosophy to everything. (laughs) I'm like, I just, because I was never a kid who did my homework on Friday night. I was always a kid who was like, oh, fuck, it's 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Now I'll have a look at homework. But that old adage that your parents would say, but, you know, well, if you get your homework done early, you can enjoy the weekend. It, it's fucking true, mate. So I try and get my podcasting homework done early so I can enjoy a weekend. That's what I'd like to be like with my comedy festival shows. It's not like I want to go to the Adelaide Fringe with no show and have to eat shit for a week to work out what it is. I'd love to arrive with a fully formed show that was just really fun to do every night. But unfortunately, part of the process is that I have to do that. Yeah, it's funny too because I, I I was thinking about like um, I had a little acting job on this week, and so I had to get my sister up to to lend a hand amongst all the podcasting stuff. It's actually funny this job. Um, I'm not sure for how much I can talk about it, but I, I can say that the character I was playing was not was a villain, like a bad guy in this nice. uh, teen dr- in this teen drama. How, how often have you paid? I know that your character had some bad flaws in Home and Away, but have you ever played yeah, like was, a proper a villain in something? My bread and butter is, I always yeah. say, I am the vanilla nice guy. If you've if you've got like a love triangle you're setting up and you've got your bad boy, yeah. you need a bit of vanilla. <laughs> you need a yeah. bit of kind of blandness <laughs> to bounce that. You know, those smoldering good looks. And you've got your chocolate. You just <laughs> need right. some vanilla to sit there to make up the Neapolitan. I cleanse the palate before I have the really spicy meatball. That's what I'm yeah. saying. That, that's, uh, that's me. Um, but I don't know, maybe it is actually a sign of where we're heading as a society, but now I'm a middle-aged straight white guy. I'm entering my you are the villain enemy. era. You're yeah. the villain by nature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the bad guy just by existing, just by the nature of like, you know, my sex and, and when I was born, I am a villain. 
But it's the a funny good part, point. Like, if there was a period of time where you were like a like a, a Middle Eastern actor or like an Asian actor in Hollywood, like you were the go-to, just like your generic villain. You're from Eastern Europe. You are generic villain for this period of time where like we've decided these are our generic villains. But now the villains of society, and you know, we say that in the fun way, not in the Joe Rogan way, but the villains of society yeah. are like white middle-aged straight men. Yeah, this is a not great, great career opportunity for you. We think it's great. <laughs> we are not entering the manosphere. Uh, let me make that clear. Like this is not Tofop's hard pivot to the right, where it's like, don't all women suck and they're useless no. and they just want your money. <laughs> I mean, it would be very hard, like uh, right, a handbrake turn for us. Uh, but you're right, and and it's funny because my. Uh, I said being a, a vanilla guy is my bread and butter, but more than that, being a supporting character was my bread and butter. You know, I'd occasionally get a lead in a show here or there, but, you know, I was the kind of, I was the the dad or, or the best friend or whatever it is. But now it's like, because diversity inclusion is the thing. And, 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 and so it's all like, that's all out the window. But here's what they'll do. They'll, we'll cast a straight white guy in the lead role. That's still kind of like, you know, that's that's seemed that's deemed okay. You know, generally alongside someone like a woman or someone of color or whatever. But then all the supporting roles they are like, okay, we don't need any more of you in this role. We don't need to fill out this next. That tier position is guys. filled. We've got exactly. our one. Yeah, yeah. The, the tokenism yeah. is we've got our one, and so you're you're now. We, we often out these we roles, often find is, look, that to be honest. With, um, with question everything, we find that a little bit where I have to say to people who, uh, particularly like straight white middle-aged men comedians, where they're like, hey, could I be on the show? And I said, the main problem is that I'm already on the show. Like, yeah. you know, That's exactly <laughs> we've, it. Already, we've already got one it's of like, you. It's like, can I be the and lead? No. And it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could, could I uh, read for the lead? No, no, we have Roger Corso. Oh, okay, cool. No problem. Okay. <laughs> I understand. It's all right. good. That, you that, need that any villains because I could definitely be uh, a villain. <laughs> So without giving too much away about the character, it's um he's a dude who gets cancelled for his casual racism. That's the Great. kind of you know that's the angle of the uh, uh-huh. the storyline. But the funny thing about it, and what is so telling, now is he is casually I, racist to one specific race, or to just in general casually racist to one to a specific yeah. character of a specific okay. uh, uh-huh. ethnic origin. Yep. But the thing about it was when I read the audition, I didn't even read it as being racist. I was oh, no. like, I'm Perfect. like, I'm I'm so clearly, I'm so yeah. clearly that guy because it's not explicit. It's coded language, you know, and that's a sort of whole. The, the whole thrust of the episode is like, you know, how you know racism can be coded into everyday interactions and systemic blah 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 blah. Um, but I did like it was one of those things where it was just one scene I wanted to see, and I sort of read it in a rush, and it seemed you know pretty easy, so I just put it down and sent it off. And then they gave me the part, and then they sent me the script, and I'm like, "Oh, oh shit, this oh, is a real bad." I'm a racist. <laughs> I'm a racist. I didn't even fucking realize because I didn't even acknowledge when I read this scene. But, you know that language was coded, but of course, within context, I know. But then the funny part about it: Ch- was- Char- Charlie exits scene, puts on hood, lights cross <laughs> on fire, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah." But yeah. that's, I, I mean, but the, the thing about it was. Uh, when I met the director, he said, oh, we really like to tape and we like um, that you, you can ad-lib because we need, we need someone who can ad-lib mm. a lot. There's got to be a lot of stuff for you, mm. throwing lines out. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you meet with – there's a, a there's a intimacy coordinator. So that's not just for kind of love scenes. That's also for, all right, if you're going to be ad-libbing, what are the boundaries? <laughs> you know, don't yeah. just start. What, what can I – 
I mean, even in some like roast battles, not all of them, a lot of them are just like whatever you can go to, you can go to. But even in the worst of them, there's often that sort of thing of going, look, I'm going to go hard, but is there anything that would be genuinely particularly hurtful to you if like, you know, I said that thing and, you know, people can sort of say what their safe areas are. So that makes a lot of sense to me because like improvising insults of any kind, particularly if they have any sort of sexual or gender or race component to them, could be incredibly dangerous. It's a I mean, to be, to be honest, <laughs> oh when somebody God. says to me, hey, we think you're really great at improvising, also you're playing a racist, I'm seeing yes. a lot of red flags. <laughs> okay. So, so it's, I mean, first thing I'll say is like yeah. I've been acting for 20 years and intimacy mm. coordinator is a fairly relatively new role on set. I'm sure bigger productions probably had it, but for most Aussie productions, which are fairly, you know, um, uh, run fairly cheaply, they probably couldn't afford that. But now apparently they're everywhere and like so good. I mean, not just for that stuff about like physical boundaries, you know, when you're doing a kissing scene for the first time, like, you know, a lot of actors when they're on these shows are 18, 19, like this is all new stuff. And to be thrust into kind of this world where there's this expectation to have an advocate there for you, a grown up there, someone to say, "Hang on, you know, let's." Yeah. Let me Are you comfortable with this? You know, yeah. would, would you prefer if we did this in a different way? That was not my experience of first time. Like my first on screen kiss was, you know, like I had no idea what. what and I even spoke to like the the, the drama coordinator and the dramaturg, and the rehearsal I did made things no better. Like in in fact, I was more confused about you know, what was okay and what was not okay and all that kind of stuff. But now these- Because it, it was with John Wood on the set of Blue Healers, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, how does this fit into the story? I thought you were going to say with Robert Hughes on the set of Hey Dad. <laughs> uh, so that was great. But yeah, so I'm ad-libbing all these scenes and every time like we finish a take- um, uh, the director is so like enthusiastic, like he's coming up. Mm. He's like, "That's great, so good!" Mm. Like Sorry. at the end of the first day, like gave me a hug, and I'm like, <sighs> "Oh, that's good." And then I'm like, "So what he's so excited yeah. about is I'm a real convincing yeah. middle-aged racist." That's some real sweet racism you've been doing there today, buddy. Give us the cuddle. <laughs> just like, loved your racism. Just, <laughs> Come in here. I just Come as, in as here. the as the shoot went on, I'm like. Yeah. Man, I'm like I'm really good at this, and to be honest, and this is a scary part, I was yeah. enjoying it—not the overt or the coded racism, but just the kind of you know this character is meant to be a throwback to what you know society is trying to move past is these you know established uh, systemic powers and you know certain roles. But within that is like freedom because you know I got to experience what it was like to be in a time when you could fucking say and do whatever you wanted, and no one pulled you up on it. Like that was the experience. Oh, I mean, I think about it all the time, like in regard to how easy it would be to be one of those like reactionary media commentators because the the bar of entry is so low on the talent scale for those jobs because they're a sort of necessary part of the, you know, the, the Steve Price or the um, Paul Murray or the Joe Hildebrands of these worlds who are all these like semi-talented people at best, but like get these incredible media opportunities because they're just willing to make ridiculous hot takes constantly. And it's easy. Like, like just coming up with ridiculous hot takes all the time, as long as you don't actually have to come up with ones you believe in, because I, you know, I'm sincerely of the belief that everybody in the world only has about three or four genuine hot takes and then everything else is just ridiculous noise. So 
like this idea of being like an every three days, you've got to come up with some reactionary hot take. I think it's uh, in the same way as you playing a racist person, like stepping in, like there's, there's an element of like going, I understand why this is appealing to people because there's a freedom in it and there's a like, safety in it not for the people that you are attacking clearly they're the ones who but it's a power thing isn't it it puts you back in charge of things and like you said something about andrew bolt years ago i remember we said like like he has to this this has to be a performance like there's no way that person one person can be so fixated on such kind of like meaningless issues so feverishly and i think the one thing to come out of this dominion uh fox news case is yeah you're right like it is performative like those hosts genuinely do not believe what they're saying, but they know that they have an audience they're playing to and they've got to play the hits, which makes you kind of go, all right, we sort of, I think, you know, the accepted wisdom is, you know, Fox News and, and Newsmax and even on the left, like NS, what MSNBC, there, there, there is some parochial cheerleading going on there. But it does make you wonder, as we sort of bead down on like more serious news, how much of it is entertainment? Like, is there anything that is really just, you know, we have that kind of 1960s version of a newsreader in our head that just objectively delivering the news, but it's kind of all got to be performative to an extent, right? I mean, even the way that the market has changed has meant that it has to be. Like, there was a time when headlines had to have some association with the article that they were stuck on the top of. But (laughs) now, because the market, particularly, you know, because of, the online world and you know this always ends up being about money so if it's not public broadcasting um you know then everything else is commercially driven and it's advertising driven and the revenue model is that you know clicks drive the advertising revenue you're getting and more people click on a kardashian story or a bikini story or a controversy story or a headline that at least implies that there is one of those sort of things you know, involved and if in you the can story. get all of those in one headline, yeah, like uh, the Kardashians in a b- photograph in a bikini mm. while cheating on her husband, then boom, yeah. you got it. <laughs> Breaking her silence about cheating yeah. on her husband in a yeah. bikini, yeah, like that would be exactly the sort of story. And then you click through, and it'd be a story about the federal budget. Like that is pretty <laughs> much the association. In fact, that's the way we should get people to read about the federal budget. People would read through a few paragraphs before. When does Kim Kardashian come into this? But I think that. If that becomes the marketplace, if everything becomes this, you know, like clickbait style world, that even the media organizations that that isn't their natural forte, it's like when a sport changes the way that it plays and then everybody else has to say, do we just let this sporting team play the way they play and we'll trust the way that we play or do we have to start playing like they play? Yeah. Well, and what's the answer? <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry. You wanted answers? It's I the was media, just Will. extrapolating on the problem. Sorry. I was just <laughs> yeah. reinforcing the point you were already making. I have no solutions. I just, I mean, well, the solution is obviously to um, be as widely read and as judicious with your media consumption as possible, but that's fucking hard. <laughs> Like, it's really hard to kind of like do research and, well, actually not according to a lot of the people who live up my way. Apparently everyone's doing their own research up here. Uh, it's easy to do research. It's hard to do good research. So this is, uh, this would be the business model if, if, if I was in charge of it, right? So we know what drives the traffic, the verity scores, the things that people are going to read about. So I believe it's got to be an eat your vegetables before you get your dessert approach. So 
I believe that if you want to unlock, so you see, you, you go down, you see this story about Kim Kardashian and her bikini breaking her silence about the affair she had. Kanye's probably mentioned because he's a good trigger word to get people interested as well. And then you go down to click on that and then it gives you a list of other stories like, and you have to read, say, like to unlock this one, you have to read two other stories and then you will have to answer two questions. So like one might be about climate change and one's about like, you know, like vaccines or something like that. You have to read both of those. There'll be a question at the end and if you answer those questions, then you can unlock the story about the Kardashians. So basically it forces everyone to be an active consumer of good news before they can unlock the dessert news. Well, that's, I mean, so Iona has these educational apps on the iPad, which, you know, they teach reading and hand-eye coordination, all this kind of stuff. And that's essentially how these programs, these games are designed. It's like, well, once you can correctly spell out, you know, you know, uh, C-A-T, then you can move on and, and you get the little game for like, and then you go back to another bit of learning. So <laughs> we're saying we, de- we develop news reading apps for like that ostensibly are for children, but they're made for adults. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. Like, I mean, I would do that. I mean, well, if I got I, a if I got a tasty bit, of, like, if it's, it's going to yeah. be good, trashy clickbait shit. Because mm. I don't want one of those ones like you remember that uh, child star. Well, you'll never believe what they look like now. Like, I've I've, I've fallen for that once or twice and clicked through about a hundred pages or something before. I'm like, oh, looks like a normal person. I yeah, want some but, juicy but, but, clickbait. I understand, but this is why I think you have like a rating. So, like, next to each thing. Like if it's really juicy, it's like, you know, it might be some really great piece of royal gossip or something that people really yeah. want to read. And yeah. so, yeah, the Queen's last words Look at about- this giant shit that Prince Harry did. Yeah, okay, that's right. We've found <laughs> Prince Harry's written a sequel and in it there's a picture of the biggest shit he ever took. <laughs> It's weird. Like he was in America, they put more water in the bowl, so it's one piece and it comes out of the lip of the bowl. And he's in the photo as well. He's doing a selfie. He's down there next to it like making an O face because he can't believe how big his royal shit is. We have that photo. Right. And so then there's nine articles you have to read. So it's got like a little nine next to it and you have to read all nine <laughs> to get to that juicy. Like, so they're weighted. <laughs> so then you know. So say it's you'll never recognize, you know, this star of the Goonies, what they look like now. That's maybe like you have to read this one article and it's only four paragraphs. Yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. But but Prince Harry's shit, that's a non-articler. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, mate. You have to read the whole rest of the paper and then we might <laughs> let you see the shit. <laughs> I love that. I think that would work. I mean, the good thing about that too right. is it can sort of be geo kind of like, you know, you, all the, the gossip and stuff. So for us, you know, being AFL fans, it'd be like, you know, um, uh, what would it be? Uh, um, we've uh, we've got up with John the Rat Platt and you'll never believe what he looks like now. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm down with that. Um, Will, we've got a, a bulging mailbag, um, so I thought we'd just take this opportunity to get up to speed. It date, only dates back to kind of a month ago, but um, a lot of people uh, want to chat about chat GPT. In fact, um, and apologies in advance to this listener because I've had to forward this from a, I don't know, uh, Instagram or something, so I've lost your name, but thank you for sending this in. Um, they wrote on, they asked chat GPT, who is Radio Mike? Radio Mike, oh, okay. of course, uh, mm-hmm. formerly producer of Tofop, current producer of Two Guys, mm-hmm. One Cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the answer from ChatGPT. On the Tofop 30 Foot of Pod podcast, Radio Mike is a co-host alongside actor and comedian Will Anderson, 
Together, they discuss a range of topics from pop culture to personal anecdotes, often with a comedic slant. The podcast has a dedicated following, and Radio Mark's contributions have helped to establish him as a prominent figure and Australian podcasting host. So, ChatGPT has erased me from existence, kind of merged merged all three of us. We're like the holy trinity. So, you're actor and comedian, so clearly they've, they've mucked that up. And then, obviously, Radio Mike, he is... Swap me out for, or they, the 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 Chat GPT, swap me out for Radio Mike. I mean, Chat GPT might have caught my uh, two months run in the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne as Lysander in a Midsummer Night's Dream, and Midsummer just been Dream. holding yeah, on right. to that information. Was that with the cum trees, the, the, the cum smelling trees? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember about a, that story. You remember the cum that? Trees. You remember that song? Give me a home among the cum trees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. This is from John. Now, look, uh, don't want to get you offside, Will, but he has some issue um, with you in regards to your belief that everyone should have listened to Radiohead or should know who Radiohead is. So oh just be prepared with some strong statements here. <sighs> feel free to respond. So long ago, like to be holding on to this. I know. I mean. <laughs> He opens with a compliment. Hey, gents, thanks for the lovely comedy conversations. To cover off a couple of things, I'm a doctor, so we have to read it. Okay. All right. Nice to have you here. I appreciate it. I listened to TOEFOP all the way through my first two degrees while studying for the GAMSAT, Aussie grad medical school exam, and then through med school. So not only do doctors listen to us, Will, we make While they doctors. save lives. We exactly. make doctors. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time to update the the uh, the byline on this show. We, we make create doctors. doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen a doctor recently? You can thank us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're doc makers. Oh, documentaries. No doctors. We <laughs> literally doctors, make doctors. <laughs> yeah, surgeons, GPs, gynecologists. Uh, you name it. Yeah. Uh, my wife, also a doctor, mm-hmm. has listened, but only okay. because I made her. That's but right. count her anyway. Yep. You can pad the stats. I can confirm I used a fax machine this week, uh, the old school one, not even the nice digital one some hospitals have. And I have been here from the start. I found you guys in 2010 in the first year of the podcast after a recommendation on a forum. Wow. What kind of forum in 2010 would Tofub have appeared in? Penthouse forum. <laughs> Dear Penthouse, you're, you're I never thought happened. I would. <laughs> the stories were true, but I was listening to a podcast. Uh, the only person I've ever talked to about Tofop who was already a fan was another doctor. Mm. Fucking hell, mate! We're yeah. just making doctors we're left and center. <laughs> we're a doctor factory. <laughs> the doctor factory. <laughs> Uh, I talked to him in my first week of working in a hospital. He suggested I stop bringing it up at work because it's an open secret. We all listen, but no one wants to accept responsibility for liking the early episodes before any of us knew better. Now I'm feeling like that's a joke, but I do want to believe that it's an open secret amongst Australia's medical professionals (laughs) that they all listen to TOEFOP. Like, wouldn't that just – like, imagine if our podcast had done something so – so worthwhile. We had given back without even knowing it. I think also there is an element when it comes to doctors that they see the worst that like much like, you know, like murder police. I think that's the official name for them. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Like 
<laughs> Call the police. Why has it been a robbery? No, worse, a murder. Call the, Call murder, the police. murder police. So when the murder police, from what I've watched on TV, mostly Law and Order, when the murder, when the murder police turn up, they cope with the murders that they see as murder police with like quite a dark sense of humour. And I imagine Gallows that humor. doctors. Doctors would probably have the same. So what might be shocking to the sensibilities of, like if you've got to see people at their worst, you've got to deal with like blood and feces and all these sort of things, that the idea of dealing with the early episodes of our podcast might not be as shocking to them as it would be to other more sensitive people. Yeah, blood and feces, also the name of my high school band. Yeah, loved them. Down to the point of my email. I was just listening to episode 311 about three years late. COVID sucked for me and I stopped listening to podcasts entirely for a couple of years and I'm catching up. Maybe when you read this in six months, we'll be up to date. Anyway, you certainly have listened to everything, John. Anyway, Will is getting upset Mm. about Ben Elton having never listened to (laughs) OK Computer. Yeah. 311 seems late. I feel like that was a much earlier discussion, but maybe we brought it up again in 311. Yes, he acknowledged <laughs> that lots of people hadn't listened to the album and it's specifically a social and it's specifically a social commentator having not listened to the album that surprised him. But Will said words to the effect of, and I quote, he would have heard bits of it, if not all of it, on the radio or movies, in ads or in shops. I was dubious. <laughs> this is a doctor Dr. Oh, dubious, we we're gonna call John from now on. Yeah. Dr. Dubious. Now, I'm not of the same vintage. I'm a millennial, an actual one, not a 25-year-old. They're Zoomers. Bloody hell, he's schooling us left, right, and center <laughs> on Dr. Dubious. I like this precision, though, in a doctor. Yeah. I feel like this the is what I want surgeon? from a doctor. Yeah. Like He's certainly taking me apart with surgical precision, so let's strap ourselves in. So I was in school when this album came mm. out. I don't think yeah. I'm too young to have heard it. So I went and listened to the whole thing. I have never heard it. Never heard any of these songs in their entirety. I can tell it was a big deal because I know I've heard similar music that was either inspired by the album or drew from the same inspirations. It kind of feels familiar, but also way off and alien. I vaguely recognize the piano from No Surprises. I think I've heard a karaoke version or, or No Lyrics version of it in a film or it was sampled in something, but none of the vocals sound in any way familiar in any of the songs. To be frank, I can't even agree that none of it is unlistenable. It's just not, but that's just my taste. My point being, I'm only about a decade younger, maybe less than you guys at this point, and it just wasn't part of my social consciousness. I think that maybe it felt bigger to Will than it actually was. I can't honestly point to any album from my lifetime that I would have expected people to have listened to. Fair enough, iTunes and buying singles plays into that, but if I had to pick an album everyone has heard, I'd have to go as far back as the Beatles or something. That is an interesting point. So, like, yeah, but that that's a young person's thing to think because that is just generational. Grow. It's yeah. from a time when this was still – and I think this is why it is one of the most like iconic albums of all time is it changed music. It was the kind of height of that, you know, British music scene and it was where it evolved from being that, you know, blur and oasis thing to being something completely different to that. And, like, it was the sort of album that meant there was, you know, bands like Coldplay. There hadn't been, like, a group like that. That album was iconic in a time where albums were iconic. I am absolutely happy to agree that albums are not as iconic today. That makes a lot of sense to me. But Ben Elton isn't young, 10 years younger than me. Ben Elton is 10 years older than me. He's from a time where albums were even more important. But do you think that's why it skipped past him? Like, 
You know, I wonder But this is the if- same as me not knowing, like, I know who Blackpink is. I've watched a documentary about Blackpink. I, like, have an idea of what K-pop is. I can tell you who The Weeknd is or, like, you know, um, like when- Who's Bad t- Bunny? Is that a rapper or a wrestler? I can't work it out. Because yep. I've seen him that, at both. I can't tell you. There you go. There's my okay. blind spot. Bad Bunny. <laughs> okay. If there's if there's some young comedian on a podcast complaining about the fact that I don't know who Bad Bunny is, I'm willing to wear that. But when the new Taylor Swift album comes out, I have a listen to the Taylor Swift album to see what the fuss is about. When, you know, so-and-so plays the Super Bowl halftime, I do that because as a cultural commentator, like you do have – if something is that big a cultural moment, I do think that – I still stand by my – I think it's weird that he thinks – and by the way, I think that it's okay maybe that a young person hasn't heard that album. But at the time, if you were an older person, that album was everywhere. I wonder if uh, – I'd like to ask Dr. Dubious John um, if he's – like, never mind. Like, I'd say that of that era, so yeah. that decade, that kind of 90s decade, like, never mm-hmm. mind is the album, you know, because it basically yeah. launched an entire music movement. Or, you know, maybe it's The Chronic or something like that if you're into more hip-hop. Mm. But I am, I imagine that he would have heard of Nevermind. And if you are British, like Radiohead were as influential or as big yeah. uh, as Nirvana were. It, it is. Like, I mean, OK Computer is like in a category with Nevermind as being a generational album because of the, yeah, the effect that it had on the broader industry. The way that there were, you can see, even in, like, you know, Dr. Dubious admits in this email that he, even though he doesn't recognize the vocal or the music, he recognizes things that have clearly been inspired by that. That's the cultural imprint that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he continues, I think that it was a huge deal for people in their formative years who are witnessing the birth of home computer and the GUI graphic user interface like Windows 95 and the internet, but maybe it wasn't a revelation to people of Ben Elton's vintage. It's like how the Matrix is insanely important to everyone I knew in high school, but people who were 30 when it came out just recall bullet time and probably only saw it once. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's like people saying, but that's the other thing is like, that's the equivalent of somebody saying, uh, you know, like a movie like Hook or a movie like, you know, sometimes mm. like you look at Minions or whatever. You look at a next yeah, generation. Space and Jam. Yeah. Space People love but Space Jam. But I watched Jam all those and, yeah. movies because I'm yeah. a cultural commentator and if an <laughs> entire generation of people is into something, I watched it. I'm not saying that Ben Elton had to dig it, but I'm aware that, you know, there was a whole bunch of young people who liked Minions and like were dressing up and going to Minions. This is, again, this is the point I was making. Uh, I reckon if Ben Elton was the same age as Will, it would be main, way more weird that he hadn't heard the album. I'm curious if that changes Will's perspective at all. Mm, no, I think we've pretty much examined that. Uh, anyway, cheers, gents. You've been a massive positive influence on me over the, the last decade plus, and Will has shared some reassuring words over over Facebook years ago when I was in, the, was in a dark place and sent a message. So thanks for always being there to make me laugh and drag me through shitty times to the good ones. You're welcome, John. Um, as Will stated earlier, Tofop, we make doctors. We we make them. And I'm, I've just uh, clicked on a link here. Um, so this is Pitchfork's uh, best albums, best records between 1996 and 2021. So – um, I'm just going to quickly see if I can find uh, where on this list. Uh, okay. So um, where do you think uh, in, of Pitchfork, a big music yeah. magazine, uh, where did uh, OK Computer by Radiohead come on? You know what? I'll give you some other albums that are in the in the top 10 just to give you a bit of a sense of what it might be. So 
number 10 was Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot for that style of music. That was kind of the, the okay computer of alt country. Um, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. Yep, iconic album by iconic artists. The Strokes, Is This It? Again, you know, that's a, a you know pretty big gaming-changing album. Uh, Arcade Fire Funeral at number seven. Yep, I get that. Um, Frank Ocean's Blonde at number six. Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, which was his Pulitzer Prize winning album, came in at number five. Uh, yep. Uh, Fuck, number I'm four. So out of touch with. Number four everything. was uh, Radiohead with an album they made called In Rainbows. Number three, Kanye West with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And at number two on Pitchfork's uh, top 200 albums of the last uh, 25 years is uh, OK Computer by Radiohead. So. Uh, Radiohead, <laughs> another Radiohead album. They like oh, Radiohead. Really? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if this is the most objective poll. Pitchfork. It's like that's as big yeah. a music magazine as you get in the entire world. I mean, again, but that's the cultural yeah, impact of if you're looking at the, the, the fact that there are so many Radiohead in- entries in that list is indicative of the point I was making, I think. Do you ever think like, um, you know, how like in movies, for instance, in the last like two or three years, there's been this real kind Mm of, and, you know, TV shows with Stranger Things, uh, this John Carpenter kind of, you know, um, love. Like all these people who grew up loving, you know, John Carpenter movies, now they're making mainstream films. And, and, you know, John Carpenter was never really super successful. Like he was always admired and people could see his craft, but he never really had that E.T. moment, that breakthrough kind of big movie. Do you ever look at kind of artists who are sort of middling or, you know, around the edges and wonder in 20 years' time who is going to be discovered? Like there, I think there is this weird kind of cheap reevaluation we have in our culture now where like Space Jam, for instance, like people look back at Space Jam and go, it was amazing. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, you're remembering it wrong. It wasn't amazing, <laughs> like objectively bad. But do you think that there are, you know, like is there some kind of like, like person who's making B grade, whatever, that will be elevated in 20 years' time has just been ahead of their time? There must be. Yeah, I think that there probably is. It's hard to know. Like I find it sometimes even these days where there's somebody that you think is that person. Like, I mean, and this is what getting older is and keeping up with these things where you're like, I, I, you're like oh, 10 years ago, you're like, Oh, Kesh is like a joke, right? Like everyone thinks Kesh is funny. And then suddenly like five years later, you're like, everyone's like, oh, Kesh is good now. Like, you know, and you're like, you missed everything in between those two things. So I think that it's most likely going to be one of those, like, you know, like, I mean, I'm not saying, because I think there's the already a star. thing like that with Carly Rae Jepsen, you know, that yeah. there is like these, the indie people have embraced Carly Rae Jepsen as like partly ironically, but partly because they actually like the music well, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for being a survivor right an entertainment survivor like you know um you know even with like ray Mar on home and away like he's been playing alf for 30 years and you know objectively that's not like the greatest acting challenge like you play the same character but the fact that he's done it so consistently for so long that becomes a thing that makes him beloved you know i think that 
we really appreciate the kind of people who just fucking hang in there. Like they can just stick with entertainment through all the ebbs and flows of entertainment. That person has just done their thing and they've done it well. So is there, do you think Ray Ma, like great actor and obviously has just iconically played this character, you know, for everyone in Australian television, which do you think that he would ever do something else? Like, is there a renaissance? Like, is there, could he be like, if they were making a Wolf Creek or whatever, you know, they would make a new Wolf Creek and you were like, let's take, you know, somebody who's iconically a friendly Australian, you know, older character, but like give them a, you know, he's a straight yeah, white like man. Like a Tarantino like, you know, style. Yeah, exactly. Could he, like, yeah, Quentin, for sure. Could Quentin Tarantino, he's about to make his final movie. You know, he's announced that he's going to make his 10th and final film. Like, he's a big fan of Australian movies and entertainment. If he just said, you know what? Like, the John Jarrett thing's a bit problematic for me. So I'm going to, like, I'm going to, like, ring up Ray Ma and see if I can get him involved. Is there, like, do you think he's interested in doing anything else? But, like, do you think when Home and Away finishes, if it ever does, that he will just, you know, retire? Because, I mean, he'd make, he'd have he all the money be. he's ever needed in his life. But do you think that yeah. he would have, like, other, other, thoughts or dreams or it's challenges. It's funny. I mean, Ray is like one of the most, mm. the friendliest, most personable mm. dudes. Like for a guy, you know, who's been doing the same thing in the scene, a billion actors come and go. Like he always treats every new cast member with the utmost respect. He's very engaged. He's not dismissive, like gives you the time and attention. But I don't think I ever discussed once with him, you know, other work. Like like he's in, he's obviously incredibly comfortable with the role he's doing and what he is, but I, I don't know. that. That's my simple answer is, I think he – because he did do – there was that Snickers campaign. Do you remember that oh, yeah. one? Yeah, They did like an Australian version of that mm-hmm. Joe Pesci thing where he was yeah. being – so clearly like if, you know, <laughs> the money's right and the script's right, he'll do it. Well, but, I've got um, a pitch. This is my pitch. Yeah. Um, and it's like – remember there's the William – I can get it to him. <laughs> there's a <laughs> – Sorry William, if it's good. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> I'm not okay. sure that he would necessarily understand it. But uh, so think William Shatner's spoken word album, quite an iconic – you know, album and like Ray Ma has an iconic voice, like yeah. the identifiable yeah, yeah. Australian voice. So we get Ray Ma to re-record Spoken word album. OK Computer by Radiohead <laughs> and we call it Ray Diohead. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? <laughs> Off with his head now, bloody flaming galah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, he'd probably be up for it. He's got a great sense of humor. Like, I think, yeah. I think it gets to a point though, you know, where you just like any job you say yes to or no to is based on how far is it from home. Mm. Like, do I have yeah. to? Like, if you can minimize the inconveniences, mm. we say, hey Ray, we'll send you a record. We'll send you a producer and a recording kit. You don't even have to leave your house. You just need to read these read these pages. I reckon, yeah, you could be up for it for sure. I, yeah. But I think we, we, that, just, we just print off the lyrics. He reads them however we want, and then we match them to the music. That's how <laughs> yeah, I think it should work. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, an Amanda talking about reluctant mediums and unfinished business. Hey guys, uh, I'm listening to your Hospitalus episode. I want to talk about the presence of the dead? First off. Reluctant psychics and mediums absolutely exist, although that's not the main point of my email. A relative of mine is a reluctant medium, has struggled accepting it, and tells very, very few people. I only know this because they get messages from my little brother. That's Mm. all I'll say about that because they are reluctant and it's their story to tell or not. 
I'm bloody keen to know more if she wants to talk about it. Do you think the presence of the dead always means they're unsettled in a negative or stuck way? Is it possible that their unfinished business is a choice? My little brother died when his kids were very young. He'd been sick most of his life and being a father wasn't a love he'd ever thought he'd experience. I'm not saddened or even surprised that he may be in a place where he's watching his family grow without the pain of illness. Plus, I miss him like crazy and I like that he sends us messages, real or not, they bring me comfort. But how would that change the movie? Was Cole just extra unlu- an extra unlucky medium who could only see those who died under the most traumatic of circumstances? Is there another child medium who only sees the ones that are just chilling, you know, like mm-hmm. at family barbecues yeah. or riding the school bus home with their kid on the first day of school? I like that. I like that. I mean, I don't know how it works, right? Like I assume if you're tuned into the spirit world, um, you, he would see all of them. The, in the context of the sixth sense, the only spirits visible are the ones with unfinished business. So I feel like it would be, yes. So in that universe, well, no, that's all we understand it to be because we're only hearing this through the ones Cole's that he can see, right? Yeah. So like if, for example, there is this broader range of, you know, and let's keep it to the movie because like I think that, you know, however people find comfort in, you know, believing that, you know, the world, I don't know how the universe operates and I'm not going to piss on anybody's parade if it gives you comfort to believe something that I don't believe. But in the world of the movie, let's just say Your that- pivot into a hard right commentator is off to a bad start. That <laughs> was far too, that was far too compassionate. You conceded too much ground. You didn't call um, anyone a joker, a clown. <laughs> Let's keep it in the safe area of, um, you know, in the, the movie fictional itself. world of Sixth Sense. So let's yeah. just say in the world of the Sixth Sense, all ghosts are apparent, including like, you know, like these, you know, just I want to, you know, ride the bus with my kids to school hang or whatever, hang out ghosts. Yeah. But it would be overwhelming in that sense for like, because that would just be constantly like being surrounded by people talking to you, wouldn't it be? Well, if you could see how many all people have ghosts, died, like more than have lived, would be completely overpopulated. Yeah, it'd be packed. So you've got to see anyone. You've got to only be able to see one specific type of like ghost. I think like so. It's either that there is only that sort of ghost, or that one person is only a conduit for yeah ghosts with unresolved issues or ghosts that are just chilling and hanging out like you don't need to know about them they're fine don't solve their problems they're they're happy how they are well amanda continues with all the stuff that goes on here uh, or goes on there on a daily basis uh, plus past tragedies how would a place like bondo beach look yes very crowded can the dead talk to each other mm-hmm. or are they just singularly focused oh that's a good point like can mm-hmm. if you've got multiple ghosts can they see each other well, I what mean, about otherwise, the what, there's a lot of downtime, surely, right? Like, because they're just talking. When Cole's asleep, then right, bloody, what are they doing there? Do, do ghosts need to sleep? You just hear online. like you hear the Ping. click, click, and look up, and you see a blue light in the corner, and a ghost on his ghost phone. <laughs> I mean, you would think that you've got to find something to do in the downtime, even just in the toilet breaks and stuff, right? Like when it's not like you, you, know, is, you want to go and watch. You like, yeah, grandma have a medium. poo or whatever, right? Like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I was thinking more Cole. Like I thought you're not going to watch a ten year old boy go. I realized, take a leak. This, yeah, but as soon as we were talking about the bathroom, I changed it to an old lady because I thought it was <laughs> okay, better right. than us talking about a young boy going to the toilet. <laughs> 
but you wouldn't. You wouldn't follow him. In. I mean, you're gonna no. you're gonna speak to him at some point anyway. So what are you um, doing then? Are you just on ghost waiting, or is there like a realm that the ghosts go back to? Like, what are the ghosts doing in their downtime? If they're well, clearly time doesn't pass in the same way it does on the mortal plane when you're a ghost. Because you are kind of preserved, right? Like ghosts stay in the form that they died in for however long until they're unfinished business. So I don't think that – like I just read this sci-fi book called We Are Legion. I think I've talked about this before. It's about this guy gets his consciousness uploaded into a, a computer and he's able to slow or accelerate the passing of time the way it's perceived. And so he often powers down when there's nothing to kind of take in and then powers up and it's like a thousand years later or whatever. Um, so I reckon that would be the experience. Like, so you've got nerd, you really need to see Cole because you're murdered and you need to let your loved ones know. And you see Cole get up and you're just about to go tell him, but then you say, Oh, he's running to the bathroom. And so you just you would just turn off until you right. find another time. Until he's back again. Yeah. Well, wait, I mean, how long does it take for a kid to take a wee? I don't know. Like I only takes like 30 well, seconds. It might be like number two or whatever, right? Like, you know. <laughs> <You're> just like, <laughs> what did this kid eat? <laughs> been on that toilet for 10 minutes. I feel like I should go wake his parents up. <laughs> like, I don't like... want to scare him. I know I've got a bullet hole in my head, but I think they should check on their kid. Oh, no, he's not taking a shit. <laughs> I can hear another oh, no, noise in there. This is terrible. Like, see? <laughs> then you're like outside twiddling your ghost thumbs while this like prepubescent boy discovers his own. Again, this is why I didn't want to make it about a young boy. <laughs> okay. Amanda continues. What about the ghost, uh, the mm. go, the the ghosts who were killed horrifically but got yeah. justice and choose to stick around? Are they still terrifying? Is a decapitated ghost still mm -hmm. scary when they're just there to go sunbaking? Okay, <laughs> I mean, good that's point. a good point. Like, yeah, you're murdered, but you're like, hey, I just want to chill. I just want to chill on the beach. Yeah, uh, it's weird that you would though. Likely... Like, why? Are, what's a ghost getting out of the beach? Uh, maybe just like the sound of it. Sense you know, memory. The, uh, sense memory. You yeah. know, it's kind of psychosomatic. Attic insane. Um, a pervert's more likely to choose to stick around than race car drivers. Why is that? Why? Um, I, all right, yeah, because peeping Tom's. But why are race car drivers happy to go? Because they're like, hey, man, live fast, die young. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> is that and what also, race car drivers say? And also my life on earth was just driving around in circles. It wasn't actually that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or are you only allowed to? Uh, are you only allowed the choice when there's a legitimate reason to stick around? I'm actually hoping that's the case now that I've had the thought about the perverts. Okay, thank you for your content. My entry point was Will's work on Dollop, and then I happened to listen to an episode of Two Guys that played after Dave or Gareth on Fofop, and then I thought if I enjoyed the two of you talking about sport that doesn't exist in my country, I don't think it does. Uh, it does. There is a USAFL, I believe. Um, I don't know the difference between all the rugby's you guys have. Oh, well, that's it's there's an, a there's two rugby's, two rugby's, and there is a difference Aussie between rules. them. One's rugby union and one's <laughs> rugby league. I understood at one time uh, where I was just the level of drunk where I'm good at uh, pool in the bar, but I kept drinking, so it didn't stick. Anyway, I'd probably love the two old mates one, and I do. All right. Well, so thank you so much for writing in, Amanda. Appreciate it. Uh, this next bit of mail. Oh yeah, this is funny. Um, this is from Lockie. G'day, Will and Charlie. Very long time listener. First time email. Blah blah blah. Um, I'll get to the Russell Crowe Crow monument from my subject heading, but first a brief note on tofop surfing. I'm fairly certain it was late 2018 when the two of you discussed having never learnt how to surf, but being interested. Part of the conversation was around sharks being a barrier. 
You then discussed a hypothetical scenario of learning in a pool if that ever became possible. The conversation stuck out to me because at the time, uh, Australia's first proper wave pool was under construction in Tullamarine. I'm not sure that Will's hips would allow it, but Charlie, Urban Surf in Melbourne has been up and running for a while. You can pay for lessons there and be guaranteed of consistent, appropriate waves in the beginner sessions. Uh, pretty sure there's one on the way to Sydney too. You know what? I actually have been thinking about surfing because um, of where we live and I've been at the beach so much and I just, uh, I'm scared of drowning. I just, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I can swim. I can swim okay. But the idea of just being caught out of my depth in a rip or like big waves or something, and I would go out in small waves, but then, you know, a swell kicks up or something. I just, it holds me back. I want to commit will, but I don't want to like, be a wuss about it can i be a wuss can i can i have a surfboard on my roof rack if i never use it i bet i imagine you absolutely can you're gonna have to have a couple of like small bits of conversation like if a surfer came up to you and like you know said I'll something exposed. like yeah what like i mean would you be able to make I'll be any like one of the surfing, beach boys <laughs> would you yeah would you be able to make any surfing small chat like i mean surely you pick some yeah, up with some yeah. scripts on home and away like yeah. it's set at a surf community. Yeah. So you must have some terms that you'd be able to drop in. Swell. Yeah, I'm fully stoked. Yeah. Uh, you know, the waves were offshore, six foot and glassy. Um, hang 10. <laughs> hang <laughs> 10. I reckon, I reckon hang 10 is the one that gets you exposed as an undercover cop. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like up until then you might have been okay. But as soon as you yeah. say hang 10, they're like, all right, Grandpa, no thank you. Okay, Lucky says, anyway, on to the Russell Crowe monument, yes. not a typo in the surname. So the Russell Crowe is uh, spelt C-R-O-W, no E. I got this from a mate who moved um, who, who moved to Canberra and was giving me a tour of their visit last year. There is a giant monument in Canberra with an American eagle perched atop of a huge column. Mm-hmm. Do you know what he's talking about when you're from your time You know what? I, and funnily enough, I was just in Canberra like a couple of weekends ago, and uh, no, I don't. Okay, it's officially called the Australian American Memorial and is supposed to symbolize Australian American joint efforts in combat. It is located on a small hill close to the Australian Defence Force in the suburb of Russell. It is affectionately okay. known I know, I know, to the locals. I know where they're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, it's affectionately known by the locals by a couple of different nicknames, one of them being the Russell Crow. Enjoy. Why don't. What have I missed there? <laughs> feels well, like there should be it's, point. it's in a it's in a place called Russell, and it's a, a oh, right, statue of crow, a bird. Yeah. Therefore, it's the Russell Crow. Ah, oh, right. Sorry, yeah. I, I kept expecting, and then there was you, a crow yeah. on the Russell Crow. You I ex- thought there was going to be one more beat. Expected something a little bit better. I understand that. It was <laughs> sorry. It was, <laughs> no, lucky. Don't listen to Will. I loved it. It was the best letter I've ever. You're read. like I was uh, just expecting for it to get good in a minute, but it didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant. That sounds awful. Hey, more chat GPT stuff. And this okay. is from Lee. Hey, guys, first time, long time, blah, blah, blah. Chat GPT agrees with Charlie. And look, we've dusted off some old oh, fucking yeah, okay. tropes. But Orson, Orson Orson and Corson. and awesome do rhyme. Yeah, all right, chat GPT. So this is, uh, 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 so he, uh, Lee wrote in, um, do Clawson, does Clawson rhyme with awesome? Chat GPT responded, yes, Clawson and awesome do rhyme. They both earn, end with the sound sen, and it's an upside down <sighs> E, so I guess it's yeah. like a phonetic kind of guide, which is a common sound in many English words and makes them sound alike when pronounced. Then Lee wrote, can you explain in more depth with some other examples? Sure. I'd be happy to provide more examples and explain in more depth. 
Clawson and Awesome rhyme because they both end with the same sound, they don't which is know. often represented in the international phonetic sen, alphabet and one is IPA as S S upside down E N. <laughs> this sound is known as a syllabic nasal consonant, which means it functions as both a consonant and a vowel in a syllable. Yeah. Here are some other words that rhyme okay. uh, with a sin sound as Clawson and Awesome. Yeah, all <laughs> I right. Don't agree with any of these? <laughs> no. Okay, so I'll just say Clawson and then the word. Yeah, Clawson, tension. No. Clawson, lesson. Clawson, fusion. Clawson, mansion. No. Clawson, poison. No. Clawson, season. Clawson, season. No. <laughs> as you can all hear, as you can hear, all these words rhyme with each other and with Clawson and Awesome because they share the okay. same ending sound. Well, thank you. I don't for, think those words rhyme with each other. Thank Tension, you for lesson, proving fusion, mansion, poison, my point, ChatGPT. I appreciate it very much. Oh man, yeah, that ChatGPT did a terrible job of defending me. I, can't, I listened to a song today that had a lyric that was like, "That doesn't." Not even vaguely close and awesome, and they got away with it. Um, okay. Uh, this is from Jess. Uh, hi, Will and Charlie. Just writing in as a longtime listener, Patreon subscriber, and longtime appreciator of your content. Charlie, as a very young teen, I had a big crush on you in Blue Healers. And Will, I used to religiously read your column in the Good Weekend mag in the paper so many years ago. I also want to congratulate Will on his new show. I intended the Hobart one, and I absolutely loved it. Firstly, I know you have felt like Will Eagle was your best show, but I think Illuminate has topped it. Did you write this email, Will? Is this you? very nice to hear, I will say, because I'm still in the period of time where I'm trying to work out, you know, what it – that's very nice to hear. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Thank, thank you, Jess. Uh, I was genuinely happy to see the type of people who turned up to the show – I mean, I shouldn't have been worried, but I had been to see Carl Barron a few weeks earlier and I've only been li living in Tassie for two years. So let's just say the crowd was eye-opening for me. All right, now, <laughs> we started the show talking about coded language. You might have to deconstruct that for this. Uh, what is it? What, what is wrong? Is it, is it white men? Is it straight white men again? Is that the problem with the crowd? Well, I mean, no, the thing about – so here's what I will say about my crowd in Hobart. There is like – like Hobart is such a beautiful fucking city. Like I love it. And the coffee culture, like it's got to be per capita. Like there's got to be as many coffee shops I reckon in Hobart as there is in Melbourne at the moment. Like it's, it's incredible down there, beautiful down by the water. And there is this kind of ABC, you know, my sort of crowd who are like, I love doing shows down there. Like it's just really fun. You, you you never everyone's kind of on side. ABC crowd. That yeah. now look, I do understand kind of language. Yeah. I know what that's fucking. You bloody <laughs> left bloody latte sipping bloody inner city elites. That's yeah. what you're saying. Five hundred or six hundred of them who <laughs> roll out about <laughs> about two percent of the population of Hobart will come along and see the show. They ride their they ride their fixies or drive their Priuses to your show. And uh, they get their gluten free or alcohol free beer, and they pop down to the Salamanca markets uh, for all their fruit and vegetables <laughs> on a Saturday morning. <laughs> That's exactly right, Charlie. <laughs> In their reusable shopping bags, uh, it must yeah. be pointed. And out. they take them down to the Save the Rainforest rally that they're going to later <laughs> in the day. So, yes. And then Carl, I mean, Carl's genius, and like, I mean, I, you know, I, I have nothing but admiration for Carl, but he's. Like we joke about it on our other podcast that he's always AFL players' favorite, most popular uh, favorite yeah. comedian, and he's everyone's favorite comedian. 
And when you open your target audience up to everyone, that means everyone. Like there is just some people who I think that would never ever go to another comedy night but go to Carl Barron. You know, like this is this is the one time in their year or however, like they go and see Carl Barron when he comes to town and then they go and see Carl Barron when he comes back to town and they never ever go and see any other comedy other than that, which I imagine is what that is the implication perhaps. <laughs> She said, I moved from New South Wales, uh, Newcastle, and so I thought I had a handle on – oh, well, she, she explains it right here. <laughs> I, thought she, I thought I had a handle on, on Bogans. Mm. Turns out I didn't. Anyway, of course it was going to be a different crowd and I should have been surprised, but I was excited to see uh, that you had chosen to come down and gig here because not much comes to Hobart. Um, I was a little worried that the special uh, Tassie breed of Bogan might scare you off from coming back again. I also want to say thank you for your healthcare bit. I was one of about three people who clapped when you asked and did enjoy the round of applause that followed. Did what did you say? Is there any? Uh, did uh, did I make any of you? <laughs> Are there any doctors out there that I made with my podcast, Tofop? <laughs> you know the funny thing. How is, many of you owe your careers to me? <laughs> I have a bit about healthcare workers in the show, and um, uh, and I won't give away the bit but it involves getting the audience to applaud for the healthcare workers and then there's a bit of a rug pull that comes with it but it would be great if in my next show when everybody like is applauding <laughs> the healthcare workers I just screamed at them I made you <laughs> <laughs> don't forget where you came from fam don't forget uh, this is from Jocelyn Time travel movies. Uh, hey, Will and Charlie, I know I could look up the article for the remaining 11 time travel movies being discussed. Uh, mm. Well, don't worry about it. We do a part two. Yes. Uh, but as soon as you mentioned that a frozen person waking up in a new era, a.k.a. Austin Powers, is classed as time travel, all I could think mm. of was Encino yep. Man. It's been 25 years since I've seen it, but I imagine it holds up terribly. Even still now, I want to find it. Thoughts? I remember enjoying that a lot in the 90s. I don't think it would I don't think it would be that. I mean, I think it would be of its time. It's, yes. The fashion on its own, it would be incredibly 90s. I seem to recall Brendan Fraser having like hammer pants, you know, kind of like a simply red Mick Hucknall haircut. I think it – and it was a PG film. It was a kid's film. I can't remember. So maybe this is – like when you were asking the questions earlier about like what gets the renaissance. So maybe, oh, yeah, yeah. So like Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Fraser has just obviously had his big renaissance and there was a lot of affection for Brendan Fraser from, from a certain generation, despite the fact that kind of the majority of his stuff that he was doing was Encino Man, The Mummy, like, yeah, these sort of, like, not necessarily the most credible, you know, films at the time. So maybe that's a more accurate thing. Who's making a bunch of those things now that you could see people look at like he's a bit of a not a generic actor because he was you know a star of the time, but he wasn't. Who's a, it's it's who's a, who's a joke? Like kind of the way Statham was a bit of a joke, and then again he just outlasted the jokes, and it's like oh we actually kind of like him. He's been around for enough. So and even Keanu in a way, like you know Keanu was like oh wouldn't, and then he outlasted that. So who would it be? Like who's an actor that everyone just like fucking rags on? Thinks they're shit. <laughs> like, is it, I mean, because it's hard to know because there's there's so many streaming shows and would it be someone like like uh, the most loathed, mm. you know, like but popular, like a Logan Paul, right? Yeah, Logan Paul is sort of oh, a multimedia yeah. star. Is wrestling at the mm. moment, but you know, you could easily see him transitioning into movies. And we all think he's like entirely questionable and you know borderline criminal with <laughs> his crypto schemes and all that kind of shit, but. 
what about in 20 years time people like he was a disruptor man he was the fucking andy kaufman of the time like he he was the first legitimate youtube star and that's who we're making the biopic of where we've cast daniel day lewis's son (laughs) (laughs) daniel day lewis jr Yeah. <laughs> well, Daniel Day-Lewis is such a good actor. Yeah. He could play Logan Paul 20 years in the future. No, Daniel Day-Lewis is such a good actor that he's been playing his son for years, <laughs> no waiting knew. for this opportunity, and nobody knew. He's been undercover as his own son to relaunch his acting career. Uh, why don't we finish up with one final letter? This is from Ben. Um, listening preference. This is just more mm-hmm. – Ben wants to give back to us. Okay. Hey, guys. Love your work on all the pods. They're the highlight of my week. I want to know if where we listen to TOEFOP matters to you guys. Like, would it be best for me to listen on the listener app like I do for Two Guys, One Cup so that the higher-ups can see the listening numbers? Or does it, or how I, or does how I listen not affect you guys and the support you receive in any way? Blah, blah, blah. He talks about what he listens to. Um, no, it doesn't matter. Look, it all comes. We ha- we, the reason why Two Guys, One Cup is exclusively on the listener app is they are paying us a wage to do it. So that's that's the trade-off. The other shows, it's a sponsorship deal. So when we get ads, that they give us a little bit of that money. So therefore, it's available everywhere. But it, all the data is fed in. So appreciate you asking, but no, it's fine. You can listen to the other pods, wherever you, whatever is convenient for you. Um, and thank you to everyone who has downloaded the listener app and is listening on to Two Guys, One Cup. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we put an episode in the TOEFOP feed for those of you holding back or haven't downloaded the listener app so you can hear what the show sounds like trust me it's good i feel like you know the production support we're getting with listener is making for a better show so if you're curious to hear what two guys one cup sounds like but you're holding off on the app just go into the tofop feed you will find an episode of two guys one cup that is available on all platforms and here's a radical thought if you like it why not download the listener app? It's free. You can listen to a new episode of Two Guys, One Cup every Tuesday with tips coming out on a Thursday. Our listener app is very good for listening to the footy live if you happen to be all around the country. That's what I've been using the listener app for a bit as I've been traveling is that it's very easy to just go on there and listen to their coverage of the, the football um, uh, so can I speak of another podcast? So, uh, uh Willosophy has been back with a, a couple of new episodes. I don't know if it's going to continue with new episodes, but there are, so there's a couple of ones that I did at the Sydney Opera House live, Nish Kumar and Vidas are both there, but also, uh, at the point of us recording this, there has been two new episodes, one with Mandy Nolan, who's a comedian from this part of the world who uh, ran for federal parliament and is doing a show all about that. And she's just great. And then uh, our great friend, regular faux fop guest, uh, but his first time on the philosophy podcast, Justin Hamilton is my second guest. What? Is that right? Yeah. He's never been on philosophy because it was because it was always about faux fop, and you know we thought we had that. But philosophy yeah. is a very different show, and I wanted the opportunity. It's a very different show, to sit yeah. down and talk to him about his life philosophy, and to but it was a very weird, like because often when I'm doing philosophy, you know I know something about the people, but I don't know like every single one of their stories. Whereas with Justin, <laughs> yeah, right, and you could tell he was also <laughs> going out of his way to try yeah. to think of things that I might not know about. So. <laughs> There genuinely was some things, but we had to work hard to get there. But it was a brilliant chat and great to get his perspective on uh, life and, you know, um, and everything that he thinks about both his life and his work. So uh, Mandy Nolan, Justin Hamilton, if you like those, they are on the philosophy feed. 
That is very exciting. And uh, don't forget, best way to support the show still, even though we are in league with uh, a big corporate uh, uh, audio producer, is to uh, support us on the Patreon. That money goes straight to us, and that means we um, can put out more content for you, which we love doing. So patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Bonus episodes of the show go up every two weeks. I put a poll on Patreon asking what more did you guys want, and you just said you just wanted more podcasts. So that's what we're giving you, more podcasts. Uh, might go into some behind-the-scenes stuff as well because I know that was the second most requested thing. Um, but if you'd like to see our faces or would like to see more of our faces, we put highlights of the show every week up on YouTube, Tofop TV. Um, you can also follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter where you'll get some video highlights each week as well. Uh, I am on uh, is, hey, oh, I'm on tour. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm on tour at the moment. My show will illuminate, which You're you might have heard Melbourne. earlier. It's quite good, apparently. So <laughs> Yeah, really good. <laughs> Better great. than your last one, whatever that one was called. Very excited about that. So you can catch Logical on ABC Ivy. You can catch the new show will illuminate all around the country. At the moment, it's at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but after that, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, Townsville, and other dates uh, to be added. I would love to see you at one of those shows. And, of course, my book, I Am Not Fine, Thanks, is still available. See you later. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. Yeah.